All right, Mike, what's ours? What's our what? What's our fusion name? I mean, we could have a like, definitely. I like a like. No, you want to use his last name with your first name and do Solana. That sounds like a shampoo or something. Alabato works as well. <laughs> Alabato. Namo arigato. <laughs> no. Hello, and welcome to Rhythm Encounter episode 67, the RPG Fan Music Podcast. So this is a little weird for me. This is my first recording of this show since January or so, but it feels good to be back. So I'm Mike Salvato, the editor-in-chief of RPG Fan and one or two other things on the site, including today, Rhythm Encounter host. Um, I have uh, three panelists with me today, three people who like Nier even more than I do, even though I didn't tell you we're talking about Nier yet. But um, so let's go through and introduce people. So first of all, we have Alana Hags. Hello. And Zach Wilkerson. I'm ready to talk about the Nears. <laughs> the Nears. Is that with a Z? <laughs> that is correct. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, and we have Patrick Gann, who has been standing near for how many years now? I mean, I technically could say 12, even though the game first game came out 11 years ago. Mike, I think it was, was it you and I or John McCarroll and I that saw the 2009 E3 behind closed doors presentation, which had no music, which was dumb what? of them because that wow. was like the best thing to show off. And they were like, oh, it's not ready yet. Well, maybe it wasn't ready yet, but they shouldn't have showed anything. Then. Yeah, that was not me, unfortunately. Yeah, it was John. I then. just know the story. Yeah. So, yeah. So, of course, if you're listening at this point, you've already seen the title. So, you know that today we're going to be talking about Nier. Not just the first game, but, you know, Nier is pretty much a series now anyway. It has it has a handful of games and a remake. So, you know, we, we've talked about it before because we had a Nier song on several episodes ago. Because for a while, when Rhythm Encounter was not airing episodes, it overlapped with the part where Nier Automata came out. And I'm sure that if the show was around at the time, we would have been bringing songs on from that game constantly. Um, yes. We'd already be out of Nier songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we missed that. So, like, we have this, like, backlog of Nier songs. And, you know, with the remake that came out in April, we figured, well, it's it's time. Like, let's, let's catch up a little bit and introduce people to, you know, music from the first game and the second game and whatever else comes up. Because there's been, you know, a handful of albums over the years. Just a handful. Ar- <laughs> arrangements and concerts. And so we have we have a really, really cool selection of near songs from everyone here today um i I think it's an exciting lineup and really shows the the breadth of work like musical work that has gone into this series from countless people at this point so is everyone ready to get started i am let's Let's do this thing all right so our first block of songs here is going to start with zach if you want to introduce your first song. I am playing Kaine Salvation from the original Near soundtrack. Beautiful. And then Alana, you have a song after that. I do, yeah. Weirdly, the second song off of the Automata soundtrack. Um, the first one we've had, the second one we've had on the show anyway. Uh, this is Morning, which is the very last song on that OST. So please enjoy. All right. So we're going to go listen to Kaine Salvation and Morning. That's Morning with a U. <laughs> and we will be back in a minute.
so that was Kine. Um, you know, and I, um, I'll be honest, um, I've been on this show before and I am like a musical amateur, but Kine um, is not probably just my favorite track in like all of Nier, which is saying something. Uh, we're going to get to a track later that I adore, um, but I love this one too. And one of the reasons that I love this track so much is the way that it sort of like plays with who the character is. Because like those of you who have played it, and I won't give too much away because I know some of us haven't finished <clears throat> all Nier yet. Yeah. yeah. Talking about you, Mike. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for making uh, that clear. <laughs> Kaine herself is such a, at least on her face, like an abrasive character, like difficult, she has a cacophony of uh, profanity that is beautiful and stunning and almost Shakespearean um, and the way that it is put together. And she seems so brash. And this song, when you listen to it, doesn't really seem to fit her, um, at least at first blush. Um, but I think that the thing that's interesting about the song is the way, and I think this is true of a lot of your songs, the way that the vocals and like the background play with each other. It's like the, the background and the, and the piano that's being used throughout the song is like, kind of like vaguely mournful and um, kind of soft um, and you know, like with this like sort of like repetitive phrasing but like in a way that I think gets to some of like the psychology that's underneath who she is but I think maybe more interestingly I really like the way the vocals work in the song like they start out you know it, it, it's sort of like a little bit softer a little bit slower and then it, it sort of swells into like this almost like run of music that I think kind of gets to who she is. Like she underneath it all is like a person who like is deeply hopeful and deeply humanistic and deeply like really wants to do the right thing. And I think that the, like her journey, like sort of like, especially if you've played the remake, her journey, I think is tracked through those vocals, the ways in which they start a little bit softer and they sort of like run and run and run. And like, they're sort of like an answer to the question of like, you know, the sadness that she is expressing early on in those vocals. And so that, that to me, I, I just think it's a lovely song. Um, it's beautiful. I love the vocals in it. I love the way that everything plays together. I think it's lovely. And I loved, like the first time I ever heard it was in Nier Automata. And I was like, ooh, where'd this song come from? I must play this game. Oh, it's the prequel. And then I eventually played it. <laughs> oh, shoot, where does it play in Automata? It plays in the uh, cave and once you do Emil's quest and you go down to underneath the uh, shopping mall and he's there with the caravan or like the car and that's specifically the very same car location thing outside of the airy from near. And it plays the minute you walk into that flower field full of lunar tears and like as someone who played Automata after the original... Oh, it got me. Oh, it really Ooh, did. I bet. Shoot, I didn't do that side quest because of ending E. I meant to go back and finish all the side quests, and then I couldn't. So, oh, I got to check that out. It's worth it. It's worth watching, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, to bounce off of what you're saying, right? Um, yeah, this this is beautiful. Like, Kaine is, Kaine is such a beautiful, incredible character, and this song really just encapsulates her for me as well. Um, but I think what's really interesting is the way that it's used in-game as well. Like, um... The soundtrack, this song in particular is used in a lot of instances and a lot of the character themes, like Emil's theme is used in certain situations as well that aren't specifically about Emil and Kaine's is used as well. Like it's it's called Salvation and in a lot of instances that they use it in cutscenes and in game, it's used in situations where people have a little bit of hope and a little bit of like, a little bit of good going for them in game. Like I can't remember specifically an example, but like it's used in those moments where you're you've helped someone or you're helping somebody and 
it really it's really uplifting like it's a really beautiful uplifting song and something like that it does is it makes this swell of emotions and it really uplifts the characters it really uplifts you and also it just it it's it's so well put together i think and it just really really resonates with like characters who deserve help and get the help that they like desire basically and yeah it's just i mean i think zach pretty much encapsulated it perfectly like everything about this song is just so so gorgeous and so like it's melancholy but like it's definitely one of those songs that it makes me it it makes me smile like more than most other songs i think across the two main soundtracks but yeah it's just a really beautiful piece yeah i think that that's one of the things that i think is um like it it feels very near you know what i mean like Mm. near throughout is very melancholy and then it has this hopeful ending um and again like i I know that you have played uh, the remaster of course because you reviewed it and uh it the way that it it gets to the hope that she has underneath it all i think is really what moves me about it every time because it has all this melancholy and like Nier always has all this melancholy. And the reason that Nier works for me so well, um, and I'll talk about this more, um, so one of my later tracks um, is that it um, sort of answers a lot of difficult questions that a lot of us ask ourselves in like, I don't know, like three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I think that this song has an answer to that question and the way that the vocals work with it. Right, right, yeah. And like you said, something you said earlier, I think is very important to like stress is like, not only does near music play with the background but like some of the most beautiful songs in this game play in the saddest moments and really really you know you think about like how you're supposed to it's it's like a mix of emotions like how are you supposed to react in that like there's this gorgeous scene and then you associate like i don't know someone dying or something really bad happening and it's like it's a real mix it's a real whirlwind and i think like it's really really clever how both the main games and actually the mobile game and the remake and all of it just manages to balance all of those like feelings so delicately and i think that's something we'll probably stress throughout this episode my exposure unfortunately to kaine is a little limited given how far i am in the first game so i know i can appreciate the song and i like it although to be fair i've heard this song more in final fantasy 14 than i have in (laughs) near at the moment which is not what we're talking about today, although I am going to put a link to the Final Fantasy XIV version in the show notes because it's gorgeous. Yeah, it is. All I know is it's really pretty, and I can't say anything better about it than what you two already said. But I'm sure Pat has some comments. Yeah, so in the original near Gestalt and Replicant uh, OST, um, we find that for like the two main supporting characters, sort of the team that joins the character near himself, is um, Kaine and Emil, and they both go on to have, you know, uh, incredible significance throughout the universe and, like, the whole timeline. And both of those characters have these two variants of their themes on the OST. In both instances, one is, like, slower or more somber than the other, and one's more sort of picked up. And um, one of the things I've noticed for myself, just listening to the music is i used to think i had favorite versions of each and at this point i just clearly don't um and so if you put on like kine's escape or kine's salvation or um either of emil's versions of his theme song it's like yeah they're pretty different upon listening but like as a motif like a character's leap motif like they are 
so like ingrained in me at this point and they're just such perfectly written songs that like i don't know i have a lot of deep thoughts about like dualism and whether or not aspects of a personality matter if you have a more holistic picture and i think when you go back to the character of kaine and how she's presented and how you learn more about her through the subsequent playthroughs as well as what they added in like the like super special remake ending e um there's just a lot there with kaine so one thank you for adding kaine salvation to our set list today because excellent choice excellent opener and um in the right space either version of the kaine theme will make me cry uh, i didn't cry today listening to it but i got close so um <laughs> she she leaves a mark she leaves a big old mark on my heart she is probably my favorite video game character period so yeah, yeah i agree she's <laughs> quite memorable quite lovable yeah all right well i don't have a good segue between that and morning so <laughs> if you have one alana now's the time <laughs> oh gosh um i think it's a pretty interesting pairing um but yeah morning is as i said it's the very last track on the automata soundtrack and um I think very different like we've used phrases like melancholy and things like that but I don't think like I think that that there's no other song that kind of hits on the same level as morning does um we've spoken about vocals with Kaine but like this is a song that is almost like Kaine is just piano and vocals this is just strings and vocals but you've got like uh, baritone vocals that start off the song that go into female vocals and then the strings come in and then it all blends together into this big old like noise wall of sound kind of thing that's just like it, it, the song almost plays through like stages of grief essentially um so morning doesn't play that often in automata i think it plays a grand total of three times uh twice at the end of uh, side quests and once during ending c when you're a2 running through a big old area inside something. Uh, I won't tell you what exactly, but if you haven't played Automata, because I know lots of people listen to these episodes without playing the games, which, you know, near music stands on its own. Like, I think you listen to this stuff and you still get the same emotions out of it, which is really interesting considering how, like, unconventional a lot of the music is and mm -hmm. how they play with sound and how they play with volume and stuff like that. Um, but Morning... A few years ago probably wouldn't have even made it into one of my favorite songs and like i don't know it just really hit strong this second time around because i replayed it before replicant came out um but yeah i i just i'm a big fan of like songs that are entirely driven by vocals and oftentimes don't even use instruments and i think that i love how the song gradually gradually gets louder and layers like everything begins to layer over like when the female vocals get louder about 145 150 in they start to bleed into the strings and then the strings take over and soften a little bit and it's like that slow like gradual climb of like you know when you're like really sad you're just sitting or watching or standing with someone or talking to somebody and you can feel like something that's not right and bubbling up somewhere mm -hmm. that and then like when you're on your own or something or when you get away or something triggers it like i feel like that and you just like i don't know burst into tears when you do something or you just completely like lose grip of your emotions like i feel like that's what morning does like it's like this entire journey of like almost like um well i mean i associate this song very strongly with 9s in particular like 
in Automata. Like, he definitely goes through a journey where he has to grieve and cry and scream and get very angry and really, really, really go through it. And I think this song is almost like the culmination of all of that. Like, in the side quest it plays in, in particular, Amnesia, it plays right at the end where this android that you're trying to solve a mystery for suddenly realizes the mystery you've been trying to solve is because of them and they kind of lose it and you leave that car park and the song starts playing and I had to stop because it was like this like the song's really heavy like it feels like it's weighing down on me as the male vocals come in there's nothing really quite like it in this game or any game that I've ever heard of that makes me kind of feel that way in the same way but yeah, it's hard to talk about because for me anyway, and a lot of the new music is hard for me to talk about just because so much of my feelings and emotions are like wrapped up in so much of this music. And like, it, it's it's a lot, to, a lot to take in for me personally. Like even re-listening to it today, I was a bit like, oh my God, like I could feel my exact feelings at the exact time I heard it, like the three times I heard it last time. And it's just a lot and like, it's just this whole encapsulation of realization of like you know this is what people are going through it's plays when people are going through really horrible things realizing horrible things about themselves and the world and it's intense and i think it's incredible that akabe managed to do that with like just some violins and some strings and two different vocals so or two different like types of vocal so yeah, that was a that was a lot of words and a lot of air for something that I really struggled to talk about. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a it's a very important song to me personally. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, I I love the way you talked about that. Um, I, I mean, I think that um, like I love and this is going back to some of the things that you said. Um, I love the way that it starts with this like sort of like Gregorian chant, <laughs> um, and then like it adds in those soprano female vocals, and then it adds in like the strings. And one of the things this song does that I think is interesting and different from what a lot of near songs do um, is like the strings uh, like almost function as another voice. Like I feel like a lot of times in near songs, like it's like the strings or like the undertone, like that sort of like swelling sound is like a contrast. Um, Like even with Kaine, what we were just talking about, but here, like if like it all functions together um, and I had never really thought about it as like going through stages of grief. And I think that's absolutely appropriate um, for the ways in which like with the side quests that you're talking about, Amnesia, which is one of the two absolutely essential side quests in Nier, mm-hmm. but also the way that it works in ending C, the ways in which like the, the discovery of things like ultimately leads to like pain and suffering for the people in these narratives. And I think that the way like it almost feels like a, a lament like this almost like thing i would hear like like i feel like i would hear this like in an old church um christmas eve almost um yeah. like it's almost medieval yeah um and, and that feels appropriate to me and i feel like it, it is it, it's so great at capturing the kind of sadness that near captures based on the things you're talking about with the ways in which different like voices come together to like form this whole of mourning um, which is appropriate because that's literally the name of the song. Um, and pain that it sort of like accepts um, like together in this one sound. Um, I, I love the way you described that. <laughs> it's funny because like a lot of the songs that we'll talk about and or in general like tend to blend together those emotions, but like this is like almost solely purely like sad for lack of a better word. Like it, it, it it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but like there's 
not like a twinkle of hope like there is in Kainia, like it's sad but you can feel like what she wants this is just like a total acceptance of like grief and everything so yeah somebody described it to me as you could hear it I'd like this played at my funeral I'm like well first of all I wouldn't like it played at my funeral because I can't hear it like how dare you like take that ability away from me but also yeah it's just it's just a heartbreaking it's a heartbreaking song and especially with the connotations I have with 9S with it like I just want to help that boy so much and I feel so bad for him yeah I I was looking up because I couldn't remember exactly which quest or whatever it played before this, but I guess unless I read wrong, but this also plays during that. I, I guess it's a side quest, the, whatever the thing that those like little golden robots that like kind of right, right, pop right, up right. every once in a while. I think yeah. it plays at the end of the very end of that whole line of quests. It does. Yeah. And it starts playing. It's, it starts playing after a line that 9S says, and it really stuck with me. It's like, 9S says, machines trying to avenge their families. That's absurd. And then you think about what 9S does <laughs> through the last route of the game. And it's like, 9S, why didn't you, like, why right. did you say, yeah. I know, I mean, that's, I mean, but, you know, that's a that's a common theme throughout the game. It's like, well, why are they doing this? That doesn't make any sense. But it's like, but they, there, there's a reason, like, this keeps happening. Mm-hmm. All of these machines are doing this, and like... I guess it was still hard for him to accept, but it's like, you've seen this so much now. Is it really that absurd? I mean, people act on their feelings and their, you know, yeah. feelings are irrational sometimes or... Oh, no, I know. <laughs> I'm not... I, hey, hey, hey. No, no, on, no, no I know. I'm not criticizing your boy here. I know you're not. <laughs> He's not my favorite. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, I really should start going first because you guys always say the same stuff I wrote in my notes and then it's hard for me to, like, differentiate what I was going to say. They're so good at being smart. What are we going to do, Mike? <laughs> they are, I know. You, you guys have to stop going first. That's that's really what it comes down to. I mean, we won't So I can tr- try to say something smart and then ruin your notes. Nope, Perfect. not true. Not true. <laughs> um, no, I, I like... I like how it's kind of how it builds up or how it progresses because it starts off kind of sort of minimal. And then the chorus like layers up as you go on. It has this, it's minimal and it's haunting. And I'm not really saying sentences as much as I am just throwing words out there right now. But um, but I, I like that and I like how it builds up. And you guys already talked about this, of course. But the the section in the middle where like the vocals just fade away and it's like, hey, there's just a string section for a while. Um, it's just just beautiful. Um, but I like I just like the progression of the song through the different emotions. Or, I guess it's a similar emotion, but like there's different ways of representing it with vocals and then with strings and then just that, then the build up like towards the end of it. It's just, it's such a good listen. I have thoughts. Okay. Let's hear thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Alana, thanks for noting track order on this song because I've never really had thoughts about why Morning was placed at the end. Like, I think maybe the most notable thought I had probably back in 2017 would have been something like, oh, they didn't know where to fit this because the song is used multiple places, so they just stuck it at the end. And now I'm having like, oh no, this was rather intentional kind of thoughts, and uh, thank you for uh, making me aware of this. Um, I suspect there's something very important in the sort of grand theme of the game gosh, I want to spoil everything so bad. I had forgotten that it was used in the Amnesia subquest, which is, yeah, arguably the most important subquest in the game. 
and yeah, and then of course in um, certain end sequences, it's a yeah. Obviously, when you listen to it, it's a very powerful song. Um, I'll also note that using like a baritone choir and then the female voice, like that, is also how the first near kind of opens with songs like not Snow and Summer, but um, God, what's that song? Um, oh, something's. Something stone. I'd have to go look. Oh, incomplete stone. Yes, incomplete stone. Yeah, like that's that's early near that uses that sort of same mix of vocals and string. So I think there's also something thematic in an opening and closing kind of way. But I think yeah, more importantly, like when you look at the trajectory of a story they're trying to tell about yeah things for the glory of mankind who may or may not be on the moon in some fashion and i think the game's pretty clear about what's going on there um like there's all this like we do all this heavy work and it's all in vain and we're not even paying attention to our own wants and needs and by the time we do it's too late and like it's all painfully tragic but then you talked about a lot of like grief in its completion like all the way up to acceptance and i think think that's the main work of near for what can sort of fairly reliably happen to a actual human who's playing the game mm-hmm. and so wow what if what a fitting ending to the ost and i <laughs> don't think i ever thought about it being fitting or even caring that it was yeah placed as the final track on the ost and now i can't stop thinking about it <laughs> well actually i need to correct myself because i'm wrong <laughs> Um, it's halfway through it i feel really i swear when i looked at one point it was at the end so i feel like i've made a point and led you on there however yeah so i'm really sorry that's my bad for not like prepping properly um i have seen it put at the end of playlists however i still think it stands like that it it fits in the middle in a similar way because then i was thinking like well hang on a minute why doesn't weight of the world cap it off and yeah obviously weight of the world does cap off the soundtrack so I'm really sorry, everybody, for getting that wrong. I feel okay. really bad. Um, but also, like, I still think that that stands, like, the, irrespective of whether, you know, it's at the beginning, middle, or end, like, this, it still serves the purpose. And, like, you know, ending C isn't exactly the end of the game anyway, and neither is the um, amnesia side quest. And I feel like you would at least reconcile some of those feelings at some point there. So, yeah, I'm really sorry. And if, No, no, it's okay. Whether it's at the end of the soundtrack or not like it's still a really important song for several reasons it's one of the last songs i really remember ever hearing fresh if you know what i mean like you'll hear like most of the ost up to that point and then when you do that side quest i think you can only do it on route b i'm not sure but like or maybe you can do it near the end of route a but like it's still pretty fresh so yeah my bad <laughs> i mean again it it inspired a lot of good discussion so uh, i'm okay with it i'm thinking through why it appeared at the end of playlists right. and i have to go th- like i could probably go research it i'm tempted to say it's at the end or part of an encore which would be like a super end for one of the concerts which there are like four blu-ray concerts now ah, right so that could have been a thematic a thematic work with one of the concerts i again i'd have to research it but that feels correct it's near the end of the orchestral arrangement album it the only there's only sound of the end and weight of the world after it so yeah maybe maybe that was one of them yeah i think it might be with 12018 because that's the orchestra album was patterned after 12018 i think i don't have that one yet i'm a scrub i only have like eight or nine near albums Hmm. yeah that's not enough it's not enough i'm trying i'm trying (laughs) 
Yeah, Zach, you may or may not have most of mine. <laughs> I, I, I'm aware of this, yes. My prior ones. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. <laughs> Thank you. All right. We sort of set up the track list today as different, like, themed, vaguely themed blocks of music. So my intent there is that the first theme would be some original songs. So we had a song off the original soundtrack in the first game and second game. And then, then we're just going to go in, like, some weird directions after this. So the next block... We are going to have a song, one of our first of many songs from a, another album, an arrangement album. And then, actually, yes, Pat, you can introduce that one first because you have our next song. Cool. I picked um, the opening track from the Near Tribute album Echo. And um, that's in a, a very heavily remixed version of the song Repose from Near Gestalt and Replicant. And uh, it's arranged by someone I haven't heard from in a while, but was really big in like the chiptune and remix scene like eight to 10 years ago. And that is sexy synthesizer. <laughs> All caps. Very important. All caps. Yes. Yeah. It's an interesting pick. I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks about this one. Uh, Cause I actually hadn't heard it before we got into this episode, this arrangement anyway. And then after that is my first song. So I have what we're going to either call eco or eco or something like that. Um, anyone feel free to correct me on this accented O here. Um, but this is the, one of the battle themes from the near reincarnation, the mobile game that as of this recording just came out like a week ago. Right. So, all right, we're going to go listen to repose and eco.
So, okay. Wow. Uh, my Normally, when I get excited about near music, it's because it's like doing something very like heavy and powerful to my heart and mind. But that remix of Repose... Okay, I have to say something. I struggle with the language of people who say music slaps or it bangs <laughs> or it's a banger or bops. Th- that whole thing just like makes my skin crawl. But I think I un- I started to understand it when I was talking to a friend and he's like, you have a song that just makes you want to like get up and dance? He's like, that's a banger. And I was like, really? And because uh, if that's the case, uh, this remix of Repose is it. And what I love about that is like, song is called repose so you'd be like oh this is chill music you would relax but when you crank it up the way that sexy synthesizer cranks it up things just get insane like taking those vocals and like just like turning them on their head and just doing everything you can with it and then throwing in those insane 16th or 32nd note arpeggios to fill in what would be the string section and just like glitching out music all over the place like they took one of the softest songs from the first near and turned it into like one of the most like you can crank this while driving or like cleaning like you could run a vacuum and turn this up and (laughs) like yes everything is perfect for those who have played the game i think repose is used in a couple of segments um is it used in the woods uh, repose is used mostly in the most of the times i remember it being used are in like seafront when you're inside the tavern or right. inside the lighthouse right that's right so it's like a very like peaceful place you're like in town sequences there are there are no monsters there's no combat it's all just like shopping and talking and everything's chill and suddenly it's like i don't know it's it's fueled by caffeine and possibly harder drugs and i'm not endorsing use of any of that but i am saying the music is quite good and it makes me want to i don't know get up and dance and or work harder which you know motivation is nice yeah so go team go sexy synthesizer and i don't know what you're up to but please make more near arrangements and oh i should just add really quick so that album echo uh i wish they had done something like this for near automata those like tribute style albums where it's like one artist contributes one song from a game and then like there were those premium range albums from back in the early 2000s like dark chronicle and um, that's a good one rogue yeah. galaxy mm-hmm. yeah. and fantasy star online like they all had those premium arranged albums where it was like 12 songs and then each one was arranged by a different person that format of arrangement style is so great i think the automata arranged album uh might have done a similar thing but like Echo did it so darn well and picked such great arrangers for it. I would like them to do that again at some point. Maybe like with the whole series now because there's like a larger canon of music. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I I really love that format and I feel like Nier benefits from that a great deal. That's all the that's all the more I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, like the the automata one um, is a, I don't like using the word safer, but it feels a little bit safer with some of the rearrangements. Like I know Peace yes. of Sleep is one of the ones on there, and it still uses that acoustic very in a similar way, and like in the same way Repose does as well. Like the acoustic guitar is still there. Um, 
And you use the word motivation, and I'm going to go with that, but I'm going to not challenge, but I don't interpret the song as necessarily a dance song. And I think in a way it's similar to, it's totally not synthwave. Like it's absolutely, it's, it's getting there, but it's not quite synthwave. But I still find this really relaxing in a really strange way. Um, maybe in a sadder way than the original is, because the original, it plays in pretty, you know, if you associate it with a lighthouse side quest, which I won't spoil for anyone, because obviously, Mike, you haven't played a ton of this game, so I don't know how much you've played of the lighthouse quest. I've done the first few parts of it. All right, so you might have I a just, general want, idea. Yeah, I want to make sure that every block of this episode, we someone gets in a little thing reminding everyone that I haven't played the first I'm game. I'm not trying to do it. You deserve it so far. I do, do. I do. Yeah. Hey, I started it, and then someone's like, no, you should just play the remake instead, so now I have to start over. Yeah, I was you correct. Sh- you should, yeah. yeah. You're right, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's um, it, in a really weird way to me, it's kind of soothing in a really uncomfortable way. Like I absolutely think it's kind of one of those things you can tap along to and relax and like it's one of those like songs that i can get motivated to but in a way that's constant and steady whereas if i'm listening to something like gosh i don't know shadow lord or something that really like gets me on the edge kind of thing but this is like it's the distorted vocals around the middle of the song and also like the um oh god the static that comes in and out it's almost Mm -hmm. like someone's like fading away like someone's trying to tell you something and you can't quite hear it and then the vocals break in like they're kind of torn apart like they don't appear in the same order that they do in the original song and it's very very dreamlike and otherworldly in a way that the original isn't whereas that one's more like hazy days on the beach kind of thing whereas this is like i don't know kind of (laughs) chill songs to listen to when you're dying or something (laughs) oh my god um sounds cheery (laughs) that's me in a nutshell um (laughs) but like yeah i I think it's i'm really interested that you did that you take it that way because like i can absolutely see it now that you talk like talked us through it but yeah that's like not the impression i got the first time through so maybe i'm gonna have to listen a couple more well i say the first time through i'm aware of the album echo um i've heard it a few times the interpretation of shadow lord on that album is ridiculous like it's so unlike anything I could have ever seen off of that album or ever seen coming. But is that that piano jazz one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one's crazy. It's so good. Um, but yeah, like if I'm gonna like use one word to describe this arrangement, and I don't mean it in like because you know people uh, ascribe euphoria as some like extreme blissful feeling, but euphoric seems like a good word to use it. Like euphoria is like kind of this like I'm happy, and I'm happy to just sit here and take it in, but so happy like that I'm just. I don't know, like can't really express myself kind of way. And that's kind of like where I sit with it. Like it's a very, the album itself and the song are extremely, extremely experimental. And I don't think they'll hit with everybody. Um, but it's an interesting piece. Like Repose is a good song. And this does takes it in an interesting direction, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually really glad you said that because I, I had some similar thoughts too. Um, I, I was thinking a little bit cause I hadn't heard this album when it came out. Um, and again, because I'm always going to talk about Final Fantasy XIV, it reminded me of the Pulse album for XIV, where they took a lot of songs and did make them like EDM and dance style music and stuff that I you like would not expect. Yeah, it's great. That you wouldn't expect in that format. And that's that's what I got out of this song, too. It's like I wouldn't expect this song in this style. But 
Um, I'm actually, I had the same thoughts as you, Lana. I don't feel like it's, for me anyway, I don't feel like it's full on dance music. Like it's there, it's starting to get there, but it still has this weird like chillness to it. So it, I don't know, it, it's, I don't know if there's a term for like mellow dance music because those seem like really counterintuitive, but whatever that is, like that's what I get from the song. And I really like it because I don't, I can't think of many songs that do exactly what this arrangement did i uh don't really have much to add i'm less sure about this song than maybe you guys are <laughs> if i'm being honest um but the, and correct me if i'm wrong here but the, the the guitar solo that we heard early on um and we hear like kind of throughout the rest of the track while we're like i don't know getting like static in our ears or something um is like is that a, a reference to uh, Scars of Time? Because it certainly sounds like it to me. It does to me too. I wrote that down. It sounds really similar. Like the opening plucks of Scars of Time, where it's like do do do, and I'm like yeah. Yeah, the first few notes in the chord progression are the same as Scars of Time. Isn't that guitar part in the original version of the song as well? I listened to it this morning and I did not hear that. Oh, it feels it's slower or maybe like a higher chord. I'm not sure. Like, yeah, well, if Sexy Synthesizer added it, it could very well be an indirect Scars of Time reference. I mean, the song was built in such a way that it, you would naturally have that follow, at least from chord progression. That's, I mean, that's just a two chord back and forth at the beginning of Scars of Time, the slow part. So it would be a very easy thing to reference, intentionally or unintentionally. I mean, I, it, it seemed like it was... It, honestly, at first, when I first started listening to this, I'm like, are they going to do like a full Scars of Time mixed with Repose thing here? Um, but yeah, yeah the I intro mean, like, sounds so much like it, yeah. It does. Um, but yeah, otherwise, um, I, I, I thought of dubstep while I was listening to this, um, and dubstep might not be my favorite kind of music, so... <laughs> I'll leave it there. So, unlike Pat, you would not say that the song slaps, even though Pat didn't actually say it. And I was waiting that whole time for you to actually <laughs> come full circle and, and start using that terminology. The words will not come out of my mouth, Mike. <laughs> I mean, I, I could use the word slap in reference to the song, but that would not be the way that I would use it. <laughs> right, right. Do you know what does slap, though, the mic? What's that? Eco. Yes, it does. That's a great game. Hey. I like Shadow of the Colossus a little bit more, but still both great games. Um, but also the song, Eco, that we're talking about here. Um, I, I feel like Alana's probably going to say the most about it because she has played more of Reincarnation than any of us. Um, I started playing, when did it come out? Like a week ago. Um, I've played like half an hour of it, and I sort of like it. I like the introduction. The game is gorgeous. I don't think I'm probably going to stick with it too much because it throws so much mobile stuff at you and i can deal with some of these games but it's so overwhelming I'm like i don't know if i feel like learning all of these systems right now i really just wanted to pick up and play something however the soundtrack to this game as one would imagine is beautiful so all of that aside whether i stick with the game or not or keep playing i i don't know yet um but i love love the soundtrack i'm not sure if it actually got has the soundtrack released yet or is it just like whatever's on YouTube? And... I think it will be out by the time this episode goes out, but it's okay, certainly cool. not available right now. Yeah, um, it's so good. Um, so anyway, this is the battle theme or one of the battle themes, at least. It's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's I don't know. I just I like that it's it starts off. I want to say it starts off hard, but it's not like as hard as one would expect when you hear that phrase. But like for this kind of music, it does. It just it has this really interesting um the vocals, of course, the vocals are good, and they have this like otherworldly quality to them, which is 
really fitting for a near game. Um, it just has a good energy for the battles because the battles, like for anyone who doesn't follow this or the other games like this one, the battles are more or less turn-based, sort of. They um, are most, yeah. Yeah, I mean, more more than, well, yeah, but you attack automatically. So it's this weird, like, it's more turn-based than not. I like guess. Final Fantasy Thirteen. Yeah, actually. So yeah, so like those those vocals, and then this like this this current of whatever those all the instruments are underneath. I can't really pick out what some of them exactly are, but it just has a really really good energy to it. So I've listened mm-hmm. to this one more than most of the songs that I've heard from the game so far. Yeah, I mean, I like the way that it builds. Like it, it opens with like a cymbal clashing, and then like it kind of happens like throughout the course of it. Um, and I like the way in which, like, there's, like, sort of, like, this, like, staccato string and, like, also, like, the staccato choral music and, like, the way that it eventually it resolves into each other. Um, but then, like, it'll go back to the staccato and, like, it, it feels like, like, it gives, like, this feeling of propulsion. And, like, I didn't know listening to this song that it was a battle theme, but, like, of course, as soon as I listened to it, I was like... I bet this is battle music. <laughs> um, and then a lot of confirmed it. Um, but yeah, I like the way they use percussion like consistently throughout to sort of emphasize something and like sort of the way that the sound comes together. And I, it, it, this is the only song on here that like I was, at least with the original, completely unfamiliar with because I just haven't listened to the Reincarnation soundtrack as much as I adore Nier. And like it made me think once again, like, hey, maybe I should play Near Reincarnation. Like, I have it downloaded on my phone. I've played about as much of it as Mike has. And then, like, I talked to Alana, and she's like, eh. I'm like, all right, fine. I-, I won't play it. But the song is a banger, and it slaps. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Very nice. I want to hear what Pat says first, because obviously I'm the person who's played it the most, so I'm almost playing Observer right now. Yeah, so, I mean... It's hard, for, it's hard for me to not compare everything about this game, including its music, to Shino Alice, which is a game that mm-hmm. I've logged an ungodly amount of hours into and foisted an Editor's Choice Award on it, because just um, there's so much I like about that game. Um, and that's also a Yoko Taro joint, and isn't just a Manaka sound team, but it's like the exact same members, and about the exact same breakdown where newcomer Shotaro Seo is doing about 40 to 50 percent of the music um but then like some of the key stuff is very cl- clearly Keiichi Okabe and uh so as soon as I heard most of what I've heard from Reincarnation I was like yeah this is about the same quality as Shino Alice which is to say um the music is better than the game deserves <laughs> um and and I still I even feel that way about Shino Alice the volume 2 soundtrack for that game uh, either just came out or is about to come out and yeah it just came out and i haven't bought it yet because i'm money issues but anyway um yeah it's uh i'm very excited about the reincarnation soundtrack and this battle theme is a reminder and a very good reason to be excited about it i will just echo zach's emphasis on symbol clashing being a thing trademark that really reminds me of some of the stuff that Okabe's done on other games. Uh, the Tekken soundtrack yeah. is work on the one Final Fantasy XV DLC, the one with Gladiolus and Gilgamesh oh, and all yes. that. Yeah, right. yeah, it's good comparison, yeah. Yeah, there's like the heavy cymbal clashy percussion of this track very much reminds me of his work outside of Nier on other projects. And I was kind of glad about it, like 
like the near soundscape is so good that it would be so easy to just sort of rest on your laurels and keep doing very similar things. And I'm honestly the kind of person who wouldn't object to that and will just keep buying it all up because that's who I am. But um, yeah, it's good to see a different direction taken and different tools used musically. And it, and it does make me interested in the game. I will add, as I said when we weren't recording, uh, I can't play the game right now because my phone's not good enough, which I can't get over the fact that they just block certain devices. Oh, your phone's not good enough, we won't even let you download it. We won't even let you see if it runs poorly. Just no, you can't have it. I'm very annoyed by that. Because I run Shino Alice and it runs fine and that's actually a fairly intensive game. And um, I've run plenty of other gacha games that are resource heavy and not had this issue. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, reincarnation is too much for you, my friend. Well, Alice is still 2D, right? I mean, this is like full 3D, like... Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, Alice is 2D. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I can see why it's intensive. Yeah. I'll give him the pass. I'm just, I'm salty about it. And that's fine, yeah. But at least, at least I have the soundtrack to look forward to. Oh, and yeah, do. the battle, the battle theme eco is a good preview of what's to come, I think, for me. Mm. It's very different to anything else in any other Nier game, I think. Like, there's a few, like, percussion-heavy songs, one of which I think is in the next block, although I'm not using the percussion version of it. Um, but, like... Yeah, the cymbals and the drums and the forward momentum that the song builds is unlike any other battle track in Nier, because obviously you only really have like boss songs in Nier, Replicant, Gestalt, and Automata. Um, whereas this, it's like you have like varying different songs, and all of them are very percussion momentum based, more so than anything else, I think, on any of the, uh, any of the other soundtracks. Um, so yeah, actually, you basically nailed everything I was going to say, which I'm really glad about, which is why I wanted everyone to say stuff first. Um, but a lot of the, um, the only other thing I want to add is like, there's a kind of like much steadier rhythm to this. I think a lot of the boss music or fight music in the other Nier games has this quality of like desperation or hopelessness or like you're pushing. It's not like a steady determination like this one feels um and near reincarnation is about like trying to get out of the cage or trying to rebuild memories to get out of the cage and it's like you're slowly doing that through the music like it's trying to build forward build up momentum to get this thing that you want and i think this song does it really well um the rest of the reincarnation soundtrack to go on a tiny bit of a tangent is extremely like, I think the Nier games are really good at this in general, and I think Akabe and Monaka are all really good at this in general, but, like, it's very atmospheric, and, like, you can tell the hums and the really low music um, throughout the Nier games, uh, but, like, more than the others, this has to. And it has to do a lot of the heavy lifting, because, like, you know, it's a, it's a gacha game. Like, you're literally just pressing forward. Like, it's literally... It's essentially, like... It's weird to call it turn-based combat because I think the genre I would probably ascribe to um, reincarnation is almost like a visual novel or a sound novel. Like it, it, you're a walking sim or a walking sim even. Like you walk through areas, you do these character chapters, but it's often just like text and reading and sound, and you just touch the screen to either move or like do actions and you don't get to make choices or anything but like it's more like an interactive storybook more than anything else with just a little bit of combat thrown in which you know the soundtrack then needs to do the even more lifting than it does with the original games or the normal games and that it has to create this kind of 
claustrophobic atmosphere. Um, and I think like even Eco itself does that. Like it's just building up a little bit of tension, just enough for like a normal battle theme. Um, so you know it's different enough from the original, the other games. Um, but yeah, I, I think you basically you three nailed it really. And I'm glad you brought something on from this, Mike, because when you picked this, uh, reincarnation hadn't come out, and I hadn't listened to any of the soundtrack. I am considerably further in. There will probably be a review up by the time this episode goes up. Um, I can't guarantee it'll be totally positive, but like this will probably be on my soundtracks of the year list. Do not worry about that. It's incredible, incredible work. I agree. All right. Well, I'm glad I brought it on too. We apparently all had a lot to say about that one. <laughs> all right. I was trying to think of a good segue. I don't know how one for this next song. So, Zach. <laughs> Um, I hope you have something good to say. Speaking of good music, (laughs) I don't know. Um, So I have brought uh, the string quartet arrangement by Sean Shafansky of Vague Hope, which is in its original form, one of my top two favorite near songs. And I, this is my favorite arranged or not original version of any near song. It's lovely. Oh, very nice. Okay. And this is our arrangement. Well, one of our arrangement blocks anyway. So Alana, you also have a, an arrangement version i do i have um the piano version off of the piano collection so the official album of god's bound by rules uh this is arranged by kumi tanioka who we've given a lot of attention to recently on the podcast so i want to give her another shout out because this is the percussion heavy piece i was talking about but it works without the percussion oh does it work and i'm very excited to talk about it oh yes yes <laughs> me too lovely I, i'm always happy giving her as many shout outs as possible so Amen. Yep. All right. (laughs) Let's go listen to Vague Hope, Cold Rain, and God's Bound by Rules.
Um, so, uh, Vague Hope, um, talking about the original here for a second, I, I mean, I think that the way that Vague Hope works in the game itself is amazing. Like, it plays during ending A originally, um, I guess probably during ending B as well. Am I correct about that? You are, you are yeah. And it plays at the end of a couple of side quests as well, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember it mostly during ending A um, as being like sort of like that moment where I was like, oh, okay, I'm here for this because I, I knew going in like ending A is not the end of near. Um, thankfully, because man, that game goes some places. Um, but, you know, I, I, I feel like, and we've talked about this a lot, like sort of like, like this idea of contrasts. Um, and I feel like... Um, the way they bring it together in the string quartet version is really fascinating because I feel like Vague Hope, more than any song in the entire like sort of near oeuvre, is like an, a question and an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, like the way that like that sort of motif of like those three notes, three notes, and like that five notes um, kind of like work together. Like it, like it, it doesn't resolve itself until like it does. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it keeps like repeating this idea of. The question, and I think the question in near really is like, what the heck is this all for? <laughs> um, like, what are we doing here? Um, and it goes back to the title of the song too. Like, and it goes back to what I love about near itself. Like, it gives you hope with the way that it resolves the notes consistently. Um, and I think that the string quartet version by Shafansky is like, it, it feels even like even slightly more mournful. Um, in the quality of its sound in the original, which is saying something because it's not <laughs> someone dies while it's playing in the original version. Um, sort of, kind of, not really. Um, <laughs> well, welcome to Yokotaro Land. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the way that it resolves consistently, and I feel like almost like that mournful quality they get from the string quartet version and the way they pull the cellos in to really um, kind of emphasize that um, makes it like stunningly beautiful i think this version of this song is just i'm a sucker for string quartets always have been um and i think that it is a strikingly beautiful version of the song and almost like the fact that it resolves into going back to the title that idea of hope with like that five note beat um that it keeps coming back to over and over again there's probably some musical term for it that i don't know beyond motif what can i say i'm an english teacher um (laughs) is um i think almost more moving i was like it feels like the song is like reaching out um, to something and it, like it has it in its grasp vaguely um, and it, <laughs> it, 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 it can't quite grasp like that idea of hope but like it it senses that it's there um, and that I think um, is what makes the song so like achingly beautiful to me and I think the string quartet version of it ca- captures it amazingly well mm-hmm. yeah um, I'm going to pull back something that you said Gosh, maybe right at the beginning it may have been when I was talking about mourning, and you said that like violins and strings are voices, or they're used as voices in particular for, I think generally in most music, but in particular with near music. And I think it's a very deliberate choice to have this on a uh, string quartet album because string quartets are usually very small, intense, like they're usually just four people, right? It's usually two violins, a viola, and a cello. And it's usually like a conversation between four musicians. And like you said, Vague Hope is two points or a conversation between these two like the three and the five and the notes um and yeah like i i with a lot of near arrangements i really struggle when they strip out the vocals um i feel like sometimes something is lost and this is one of the few versions of vague hope that i truly love aside from the original because again like the original is one of my favorite songs it's actually my favorite song across all of the albums it 
I couldn't listen to it for about a year after I beat the game the first time and I reviewed the game back in 2017 so that should tell you how when I could roughly listen to it but yeah I, I, I couldn't listen to it because I had that one very specific image of those two characters in that one moment and the association with that song is two people are like you know because like Emmy's voice or the vocals in that track and a lot of the time with new music they're very rasping and they're very breathless because it's like you are trying to reach out to something and you're just about grabbing it but it's not there so I think that's a really good comparison or a good note you made there Zach but like I the strings do the job and they do it so beautifully and so tenderly like I think even more than the original I think the original is gorgeous and it does like a fantastic job of like eviscerating the beauty and like capturing it but this is so much more mournful because I think like you can see what's going on and you can just feel like there's something really beautiful about a violin and I think it's one of my favorite musical instruments and um I always find them really like associated with like really nice like romantic kind of things sometimes or sad things and like here like you're playing this song and this version of this song even more than the original is like you hear this piece of music in moments where like you have to see the thing you love most in the world slip away from you and like it's in your grasp you've got it but like as you're holding it it's like slipping out of your hand and i think like that mournful quality in this version is like really captured perfectly um in particular when that cello comes in around like 230 231 like it's this conflict of like sadness and beauty like i'm holding this thing that i love but also like it's gonna be gone and it's interesting because like obviously it's not in near automata at least in the one in the, the couple of endings it plays in um so yeah it's a really beautiful conversation that's fully realized in game especially after what plays afterwards but i think um Shefiansky, who do, who's done like tons and tons and tons of brilliant near rearrangement albums like the jazz album he did the synthwave one at the end of last year he's got this um chamber works which is beautiful all the way through um but i think this is like maybe one of my favorite pieces of his and he does uh one of my favorite video game songs of all time like absolute justice really I, I love his rearrangement of lunar 2 opening sound too oh. it's lovely oh oh my goodness it's lovely i need to listen can i talk about sean please yeah, do please. we always want to talk about sean here yeah so when i saw this in the set list i was just like okay like yeah vague hope is a super good song extremely important extremely powerful evocative and i'm glad everyone covered all that because i want to talk about sean um <laughs> look there are plenty of talented arrangers um out there there are plenty of talented arrangers and performers and as far as sort of like the licensed music scene has grown with organizations like materia collective like we've seen better and better stuff from that scene of music over the last decade and from my perspective there are really like maybe like two or three people that I would identify as like really leading the way and Sean's one of them you know he made some some early interesting bids with those jazz albums and and I've talked to him personally and I think there are plans to do more like chamber works fill in a franchise or fill in a game name uh like planned and this was sort of the first in that series this chamber works album for near is just like painfully good it like the way you described like where the cello comes in at a certain time like sean is incredibly thoughtful and 
put so much time and effort into making sure it's not just an enjoyable ex experience, but it is evoking something from the game itself. I just, I just think he's he's truly one of the most talented people um, doing this kind of work, and like this is my like full on unashamed endorsement like this is not an expensive album to purchase digitally there is also a physical version of it people should just go get the chamber works album check out sean's other work too he's done plenty of stuff with near plenty of stuff with other video game franchises i think chamber works is probably his best album to date if it's not you know go find it and tell me what i was wrong about no i agree <laughs> I've, I've listened to all his work and i think this is yeah if you haven't picked up the near Chamberworks album like it's it's on Bandcamp among plenty of other places like yep. just go get it it's so it's so good it's like stupid how good it is it's by far my favorite arranged album for near and it's shorter than a lot of them the TPR one's great lots of good ones but this one is whew, this one knocks your socks off it's fantastic I'm glad we see eye to eye on that we do Zach yeah it's just oh so good I think I think at this point we've, we've talked about it enough that I'm going to make sure that we have a a link to his band camp in the show notes, um, as well as, I should mention, a link to Rhythm Encounter episode 19, because we had Sean as a guest on that episode. Um, That's right. Back in 2014. Back when, like, that would have been when, like, the jazz albums were coming out. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yes. So, there will be links to that. I recommend listening to that, too. That was back when Stephen and Derek were hosting the show. But it's a it's a good listen. Our favorite localization team. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So proud of them. <laughs> yep. Um, I would give a shout out to Stephen and Derek. Derek might listen to this. I don't know if Stephen will, but you know, Stephen, if you do, if you do listen to this because Near has good music, yes. Hello. Thank you for listening. Maybe something will convince him that Near is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of what I was going to talk about was a little bit of what Alana said. Go figure. We also see eye to eye on this one, where like <laughs> a lot of what I like about this song is is the vocals and. Most of the, I don't want to say all of the arrangements I've heard outside of this one retain the vocals, but I know at least most of them do because it is really central to the song. And I love all those versions. Um, I'd like, though, that that Sean didn't do them in this case because, like, that's, it's kind of like a brave move because, like, that's a really key part of the song. So, like, even different arrangements, they retain that because it's, it's so central to the song. But I like this because, like, you can really focus on, like, just the music and it's still, it's a really different take on it, but it's still just so beautiful. And like you said, like, you would think a lot of times taking the vocals out of a song like this would not work as well. And you'd be like, well, you know, that was a fun experiment, but, like, it's it just feels like sometimes it could be less than the original, but that is not the case here. Like it's, it's its own thing and it's focused on the music and the orchestration and it's just beautiful. I love it. Such a good one. Yeah. Good choice, Zach. I too like it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know who else made a good choice though? Alana. Alana made an excellent <laughs> choice by bringing in our friend Kumi Tanioka. Oh yes. yeah. Yes. I mean, I love her work on Final Fantasy XI and Crystal Chronicles, so it made absolute sense. And I was surprised that nobody brought on a piano piece, but like I heard this a few years ago and was completely floored. So um, God's Bound by Rules. Um, <laughs> does anyone, a weird question before we go into, does anyone have like a terrible habit of really liking songs that only play once in a video game? Yes. <laughs> Apparently all of us do because this 
This song is fantastic. Yep. I'm not sure if it's a terrible habit, but <laughs> <laughs> it's even one of our uh, potential topics for Rhythm Encounter, but we haven't got a lot of uh, takers on that theme yet. I mean, like going by some of my favorite tracks on Xenoblade and Automata, mm-hmm. it's a terrible habit of mine. Um, <laughs> Gods Bound by Rules is one of those songs because it only plays once, even through replays, because it plays towards the middle end of the first part of the game. And you never replay that part, even in Replicant. Like it plays in the Temple of the Drifting Sands against the boss and if you don't never heard the original God Bound, Gods Bound by Rules, it's incredible. It uses so many different like it, this is the percussion based song I was talking about like it's very drum and rhythm heavy and it uses violins and strings and drums and vocals and all sorts of things to like build this kind of godlike otherworldly like mysterious feeling and then this strips it back to a degree but I think what I love about this piece so much is like you know it's a piano album right like all you're gonna hear is kumi tanioko playing a piano and she manages to get an entire sound profile that matches the original beat for beat out of this and my favorite thing about this song is just how it plays with volume because it does the same sort of thing so like it starts the original starts off really quiet and then it goes through phases of being really loud because it's got layers and layers of instruments playing over each other and vocals and everything and then it goes soft again and then loud again and Tanioka does the same thing with just a piano like it's almost like her two hands are like inviting each other with the different like like chords she's playing or the different like one side is louder than the other and it matches the original song perfectly um but it's definitely a lot more a lot more emotional than the original song i think it's a real it really captures the kind of like emotion and the history of facade more than the original does um it's a lot more beautiful in a different way um but it's just like this big outpouring of emotions from a group of people who you know i think more than any other like group in the game facade and the temple have a lot more history behind it than the rest of deer and i think that this version does a really interesting job of like relaying that in a totally different way to the original and like I, I, this is one of those kind of piano pieces that i think would be fantastic to see live because i can feel like the pianist would come completely alive playing it like there is so much going on and she creates so much power with just this one instrument that again i keep saying it like it matches the tone of the original um so like it contrasts it in so many different ways like the way that it's i think it's more soft and that's because it's just the one instrument but also like just how she plays with volume i think is it it lends so much weight and emotion to this song that i think wasn't there and didn't need to be there in the original but like i think it does a really fantastic job of just evolving this track beyond what it is originally and like by far it's my favorite piano arrangement and i think the piano arrangement album is good i think again automata's is maybe not as good um but this is my favorite track by far and tanioka is a goddess among women and composers <laughs> yes she, she's fantastic i love this piece so much see i was i just have a little quick thing i'm sure the others have more um i, I was a little stuck on like what i wanted to say about this because i knew i liked it but i wasn't sure how to articulate it this time around and i think my mistake was not listening to the original and comparing because what you said about that like how many instruments and what how much is going on in the original and the fact that she somehow could replicate that or at least 
do her own take on that with just piano is incredible because <laughs> that shouldn't be possible. I, I agree. Um, you know, I, I think it, I, I mean I, I adore this song, and every time I'm, I listen to the near soundtracks, and I'll listen to like Automata almost every day, but you know, maybe like the original near once a week. Um, and every time this comes up, I'm like, where is this in the game again? And then I have to like go look it up. And, and I think that like the thing that I find fascinating about it is the way that she like like has like almost like two different sets of notes and we we kind of talked about this earlier this idea of like two different things happening at once and that's happening in the original god god's bound by rules but she manages to do it with just a piano um and and it's fantastic i mean i feel like um like the way that she gets like the percussive elements and then like i can almost like feel her like just like jamming her hand into the key um like to like get like the intensity of that moment like there are a couple of notes in this where i'm like oh my gosh that is so intense like how hard did you hit that note <laughs> um and it, 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 i think it, it, it's a fascinating sort of like study in the way that you can capture the spirit of something and I, I certainly think that in some ways it's almost like musically more interesting because of its simplicity and like this is like getting back to what alana was talking about earlier like it, it's a little bit more mournful it feels a little bit um different certainly than that fight does which is a really like fun and cool mechanically fight um, in the original Nier. But here it feels a little more near in some ways, almost like it feels sadder. And the way she manages to capture that with just one instrument, like all the different things that it's doing and like with just like the pressure that she's putting on keys is what it sounds like to me is, is just fabulous. I think it's amazing. I have too much to say. I'm going to try and keep it fast by talking fast. (laughs) So while y'all were talking, I actually pulled out my physical copy. I have like lots of official sheet music. Most of it is final fantasy and square Enix. And, um, Sadly, Square Enix seems to have stopped printing sheet music. They haven't done it for Nier Automata or Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles or Final Fantasy XIV. So I'm worried they've they've stopped doing this, which saddens me because I like to try to play this stuff. Um, from Nier Gestalt and Replicant Piano, there's only a few songs I can play even close to adequately because these are pretty complex arrangements. I don't think I've ever even attempted God's Bound by Rules because (laughs) it's too much. Um, And my feeling on the OST was that was always a very overwhelming piece for me to listen to. Temple of Drifting Sands is kind of my jam, um, Mm -hmm. which is on the OST, I think it comes right before it because you go to that environment before you go to that whole temple and boss fight. And I think I was going to include Temple of Drifting Sands in my track list, but we've probably used it once or twice already. And it's a great song. But God's Bound by Rules is like, there's two or three songs on the OST of the first Nier that just, if I'm not in the right head space, could like maybe bring me close to a panic attack because it's so much. Mm. Uh, God's Bound by Rules is one of them. It's a lot. Which I think when you then strip that back to a piano arrangement, it's sort of like the Goldilocks thing. It's not too little <laughs> and it's not too much. It's just right. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, more than one person just now spoke about sort of the weight and the strength that Kumi Tanioka puts into the keys when she really wants to. I just wanted to recall a story, and if someone digs really far back into RPG fan, you might find this. Um, I went to a Final Fantasy XI fanfest in 08, and uh, Kumi Tanioka came out and did a live concert of like four or five of 
Final Fantasy XI tracks. They were her own arrangements. They've never been recorded or released anywhere, uh, which drives me insane to this day as a completionist Mm. and as someone who just loved that concert. Um, It was a really magical time for me just to watch that. Um, There's a photo of me like bowing down to her, which everyone was really uncomfortable with, except for me, because that's who I am. (laughs) Um, But I like, oh, gosh. She is such a phenomenal pianist. Like, just I knew her as a composer first. Like, with, without question, I was like, she's a composer. But then seeing her, just her chops, her ability to to kick butt on a on a piano is just like scary. And she brought that full force. Um, and like again, I'm looking through the sheet music, and like, yes, the proper ornaments and demarcations are there for when you know you should you know hit this note harder than that note like it's all actually really well noted so that if someone tried to recreate it they could do a decent job but i don't know that there are many people that could really do it the way tanioka does and i think of the arranged tracks on the first new year's piano collection um yeah this is probably like in the top three for me um yeah she really brings a song that again it brings it like strikes fear in my heart and like she made it like she still brings the power but like with just piano i can handle it better so thank you tanioka san <laughs> all right so we have two songs left two songs left today um anyone listening and following now has probably realized what i think i mentioned off air that i i put this track list together and i did not intend to group Zach and Alana's songs and then Pat and my songs, but that's how this worked out. So if you're keeping track today, um, this last block is also a song by Pat and a song by me. So Pat, what do you have first? Yeah, I picked a a fairly hard to find arrangement of Sound of the End from Nier Automata. It's from the second of four Blu-ray concerts. That's the Memories of Puppets Blu-ray. Um, and I had to pick that specific one because it is specifically very good. Yeah, I am excited about that one. And then, and, and I'll talk about more about my pick um, when we actually talk about it. But I, I figured that even though it's kind of an obvious pick, like at some point we have to play some version of Weight of the World if we're doing a near episode because it has not been on Rhythm Encounter yet. So I have the the orchestra version of Weight of the World from the near automata orchestral arrangement album oh there's something very special about that i can't wait till we get to it oh okay i mean besides it just being amazing uh besides it isn't it one of the ones that features uh both emmy and janique singing each other's parts no not not this one oh that's the addendum version right i know see there's so many but we'll, we'll we'll talk about that too so let's go listen to the sound of the end and then the one of the orchestra versions of weight of the world Thank you. 
Okay, so let's talk about Sound of the End. There are a couple versions of it on the OST, and one of them is specifically like referred to as like the quiet version, which makes me think of a quiet place now, in retrospect. So the sort of like quiet version of Sound of the End is sort of the, I don't know if this is the right word, the template for which this arrangement was done. This is an arrangement of Sound of the End that was used in the second of four so far Blu-ray concerts that Square Enix has released like as a retail product. Um, this one had a lot of like drama slash talking sequences in it. It was called Memories of Puppets, um, or that's a loose translation, but it's if you're looking for it, it's always like double bracketed in the triangle brackets. That's an easy way to find it if you're looking online. And this is a weird concert. It's probably one of my fa- it's probably one of my favorite though. And Sound of the End is probably like the palate cleanser moment that I need when I listen to it. Just um, there's kind of two things going on vocally. You'll have these sections where it's like sort of a verse um, that's very like melodic and counter melodic. There's two vocalists, and um, yeah, it's pretty intense because what you might call the chorus is more of a refrain in the traditional definition of the word. It's just bum, 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 bum. They're they're singing one note and it's just different syllables, just this monosyllabic hit it on the quarter note every time. And it's kind of terrifying. It like chilling. It feels almost occult in nature and If you know some of the ways that Sound of the End is used in Nier Automata, you'll be like, yep, that fits. Mm -hmm. Um, And when all the other instruments are sort of stripped back and it's it's just, you know, it's just those two female voices singing the same note in unison, hitting these these consonants in unison, it's it's actually terrifying. Like, it's up there with, like, some of my best, like, horror music. Even though it's, it's not like, it's it's not horror in the like traditional sense but like i can't listen to this and not get creeped out and i like that um it again shows how in a single game they really do a great job sort of running a heavy spectrum of heavy emotions and if you didn't get creepy fear in there that would be no bueno (laughs) but they got it and they got it great with Sound of the End. And this particular arrangement and performance, it, it, for me, is like the pinnacle version of it. Um, watching it, watching the actual concert video, and when I did the review, I actually clipped, like, and I think we have it in the show notes, right. I clipped like a minute and a half from the, uh, from the Blu-ray, and it's, yeah, everyone should just watch it. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad that you said creepy because, like, yeah, haunting is the very thing that I think of with, in particular, that part of like the sound of the end from the um, original soundtrack. Like, I think it's like two minutes into like three and a half minutes in. Like, there's this entire section that is just like atmospheric music, vocals, and a little bit of piano, and that is it. And this has even not really got the atmospheric sound in it. It is literally just the very, very soft chanting of both of the, or the female vocalists on the stage and it, it's really unsettling like this song to me this arrangement and the original it's always felt very claustrophobic to me like there's something very painful about it that like makes me tense up and 
very much like what's coming like it has you on the edge of your seat like what am I going to find out what's going to happen what's going to come afterwards and that's kind of like how the entire song plays out but like the particular piece that you um that you clipped Pat for the review like it's so peaceful and unsettling like I just almost don't know how to react to it which is like some of the best music of this game like, I'm always yeah. a little bit like it's all this like twists of emotions that I cannot get out and this is one of those really great examples and like again watching that clip and seeing the vocalists and the singers and seeing what's going on in the screen in the background like everything's just so it's like still water rippling right like that's what it feels like it's very slowly rippling out until it gets bigger and bigger and it doesn't quite get there on that clip which works but like in the song and probably the rest of that like other arrangements it like slow the, the vocals get louder and then they burst out and it goes back into the really loud heavy momentum the the stuff that really 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 gets you going and like it's like a burst of emotion and yeah this version is really it's softer but i think in a way like it's even more chilling like you were saying i'm glad that you brought this and honed on it because yeah this is like an incredible version of another one of my favorite songs on that soundtrack <laughs> so yeah I, I i adore this so much i love music that makes me feel claustrophobic which is really not i don't know <laughs> wow. maybe I, should, I, I like stuff that makes me feel uncomfortable like i like to make my emotions feel <laughs> rattled kind of thing oh so. my god a lot of we cut the name of the episode <laughs> rhythm counter 67 music to make you feel uncomfortable <laughs> it doesn't though because kind of doesn't make me feel no, uncomfortable. that's true okay all right yeah i don't know we'll workshop this a little bit <laughs> I, and i think that one of the interesting things that both of you touched on and i and i and i might be slightly repetitive here because you guys covered a lot of my notes here um, I think this version is lovely, first of all. I mean, like, it's it's a great original, and I think um, I like this pick a lot more than <laughs> the last one. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that the way that it moves between, like, the sort of, like, sustained sounds and then, like, the staccato sounds, and, like, it moves back and forth between them um, is part of what gives you that element of discomfort that a lot that both of you are talking about. And I think also, like, when the two singers are singing Emmy, and I'm not sure who else it is, like, the harmony is, like, so tight. Like, it's just, like, vaguely harmonic. And, like, like the sound quality is just different enough to, like, make it sound like it's the same sound, but it's not quite the same sound. Oh, yeah. There's a there's parts where they do major seconds. So it'd be, like, hitting, like, mm. C and D next to okay. each other on a, on a okay. piano. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's good to know. I... But the, like the fact that they're so close together, I think is part of what for me makes it feel like a little discomforting, right? Um, yeah. But also like like it, 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 like like sometimes like the vocals are staccato and the strings are consistent. Sometimes it's the opposite. Like it it, it just I, I could never quite predict where like in the original or this version, I can never mm -hmm. quite predict where it's going, and I feel like it boils it down to its essentialness of what is ethereal and haunting about this song mm -hmm. um and i think both of you captured it beautifully hey mike did were you were you zoning out from the awesome dissociative quality of this song i don't know it, it's hard to describe i, I want to say something different than everyone else said but it's it's you said it all so well but it's just it's just uncomfortable at points and i'm sure it's even weirder like you know it, it's one thing hearing it in the game and then like seeing like live people it's like i don't know it's hard to really describe um Remind me, 
actually remind our listeners because of course i didn't forget but where exactly does this play in the game because i think i remember where it plays if it's where i think it is um there are a few different places um but like the most prominent place i remember is right before you fight eve so the particular bit that's clipped right there is where you're back from oh my god it's towards the end of Route A. It's right before the very part, last boss, and you're standing outside of the like machine, and you can see all of these like, you know, the androids coming down to fight the machines, and Eve's gathering all of the machines together, and you're in the city ruins, and the ambient version plays there, and then the fight version plays in a couple of different bosses. One of them in the Eve fight, one of them at another point. I don't remember when exactly, but it plays in a number. But now I've just remembered. Most importantly, the ambient version plays in the splash movie at the title screen if you leave it there it where it plays when you leave it idle and it starts playing cutscenes from the game you know like the opening movie essentially where it the clips a2 saying i you know i can't quite believe how beautiful this world is that's when it plays like just before you start the game if you just sit there on the title screen <laughs> wow I, I never sat there in the title screen so i didn't see that well nobody read my near replicant review either <laughs> that's my favorite uh use of it um, actually, though that's not like what a lot of people would associate with it, I think um, that is my favorite use of it is is in that post title screen weighted out part with A2's monologue. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm AFK a lot when I play video games, so that is the way that I associate it too. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, I'll go check it out after this then. But first, do we want to talk about weight of the world? Always, we, do. we should always. always. Yeah, so I, I mentioned this a little before, but again, Rhythm Encounter was not around in 2017 when Automata came out. So, you know, again, we're, we're catching up a little bit on some of these, this series and its music. And I don't, I don't want to presume Weight of the World is the most popular song from Automata, but I know it's at least up there in the top handful. Um, and for good reason. And there are... I wish I knew offhand how many different versions there are, but I know there's a lot out there. Official, unofficial, wherever you want to look, like there, there's a lot. I mean, I have a lot just on my own, and that's, I'm sure, only a fraction of them. So th- there's a few. How many versions are on the original soundtrack, for that matter? You know, there's the Five? original. Three, I think. Yeah, see, so there's several on there, different languages, and different vocalists on different albums. And I, I don't know, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to just pick the original. Although I'm sitting here talking about it, I'm not sure why not. But, you know, I wanted to go somewhere different because I think more people have heard the originals. If you haven't, I would recommend go checking out the soundtrack. And I'm sure at some point we'll bring another one of them on. So so I wanted to bring this song in some capacity. And eventually I I went for the, the orchestra version. One of the orchestra versions. Which, let's see... Let me check really quick when this album came out. So the orchestral arrangement album was from 2018. Yeah. Wow. That's actually not long after the game. That was part of that, that oh, box right. set you okay. could get. Yeah. I've, I've been, I didn't get the box set because I didn't get into the series till later. So I've just been like picking up these things individually after, after the fact. Um, but it, it's interesting because it's, it's another one of those songs like we've talked about earlier where, you know, most of the time you hear this, you're thinking of the vocals by however many people have done vocals on this song at this point. And I love, I love Emmy and I love Janique Nicole and I love all the versions that, you know, they have done. Um, the uh, There was some episode earlier this year, last year, I know we talked about um, the addendum soundtrack 
and there's a version of this on there with the two of them, and it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's really wild because it's the English version, which is normally Janique would do it solo, but on orchestra addendum, it's Janique and Emmy are passing off like every two lines in the verse in English, and it really adds a lot right. of depth to the song. Mm-hmm. And then and then also with that, um, they did the same thing with um, Ashes of Dreams English version. Yeah, they did. So then suddenly Janique is appearing every two lines splitting with Emmy, and that sort of shared role is really great. And we talked real quick, we talked about that. If anyone wants to hear it, episode 63, Hillary and I did an interview with Janique Nicole, the vocalist who, she's done a lot of other work, but her sort of big thrusted foray into video game music was Nier Automata. She's also just a delightful human. Yeah, yeah. she's, oh, she she's so great. Um, yeah, so, so after talking about all of these, here's one without vocals. Um, but, you know, it, it's another it's another good example of an arrangement of one of these songs that it traditionally has vocals in this series and how it still works. If you take that away, like, you know, like what? let's focus more on what's what's underneath it. And it's, surprise, it's still beautiful. You know, it, it still has that same, like, build up and, uh, like, grand, like, feeling as the song progresses um, because of the instrumentation and the arrangement. And, you know, in a lot of the other versions, so much of that you get from the vocals. So I'm, I'm really impressed that you can still get that a similar feeling even without that. Something that you feel is really essential, but it's like there is still a way to, like, get this across and you know you know i i try not to do this and even though it sounds like we're almost comparing them like i don't like comparing i don't like saying it's like well this version is better than this because it does or doesn't have this like i think it all coexists like i i love that i love that you can take a song Mm -hmm. like this or any of these and have so many like different iterations and just explore it in all these different ways so that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring this on instead of one of the originals or one of the ones that people maybe are more familiar with, because you know this is something different that is not done a lot with this song. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting because um, I know I pulled uh, "They Open," which also has you know vocals that are famous and important, um, and I like the way that they use horns here in like lots of different ways. Like, like, like it starts with that, that flute, and it's like quiet and almost like kind of tentative um which i think absolutely matches the tone of what um janique or emmy is doing when we're singing the song originally like this idea of um trying to find you know like you know what's what's worth holding the weight of the world um i, I don't know why i'm talking about song titles a lot today <laughs> please stop me um <laughs> and like the, the oboe comes in and it like slightly contrasts it i, I think it's oboe please correct me if i'm wrong pat it's either oboe or clarinet yeah. I'm not sure which. And then like soaring strings for like the sort of the the big parts of it. Um, and I think that the way that they make um, sort of like the different like sort of explosive parts of the song and the quieter parts of it work with like strings and horns, like it, it is still like in some ways it's like to me it's almost more beautiful. I, I don't think it quite matches like the voice breaking <laughs> um, mm-hmm. in uh, one of the versions of Way to the World. And I can't ever extricate this song personally from my experience watching the credits of this uh, of this game but i feel like um it matches that emotional weight of that moment which to me is like still like and i know it sounds hyperbolic but i really mean it like the greatest game in all video the greatest moment in all video games like 
going through that credit sequence and answering those questions and the tentativeness of it and like the thoughtfulness that you have to put into it and the way that they make like the, again the horn instruments in particular which is not normally what i focus on the way they make those like in conversation and also like the tentativeness and the quietness of them and let the strings sort of like run the melody um i think um really makes this song incredibly lovely yeah i think the way that the brass and the horns come in like i it's funny that you all brought up the addendum version that uses janique and um emmy's vocals and at the same time or they swap every two lines i think it's doing it here as well like i think it's almost like there are two voices coming together and i think as a replacement for the vocals like this orchestral version uses more instruments in the same way that the weight of the world version of um or the end of the yorha version the one which uses like the chip tunes and all of the voices in the choir i think it's trying to mimic the feel of that one of like the entire world coming together to sing this song or to come together into like you know help everybody out because that's what we're supposed to do and i think this orchestral version is like mimicking that version but it's also probably closer to the original like the first ending asianic version in that like i think that flute at the beginning like it's tentative but it's like a tentative like it's okay to feel hope right right now like that's what i kind of got it like you know how you like wake up in the morning like oh i actually think i feel like i'm in a good mood kind of thing and that kind of like that's a really reductive way of putting it but like i was like oh this is quite a nice way to open this song and it does match the original but like in a even more like light-hearted way whereas like the way that the original song fades in it's like almost like a breath of relief but this is like oh something feels good and it just kind of blossoms from there is the brass comes in more instruments come in and they fade in again and like the drums come in louder about halfway through the song and the twinkling throughout is just really dreamlike and it's just it's even more like positive and uplifting it it matches but like there's something even like brighter about it than perhaps the original songs um but yeah the emotional weight is matched i'd say um and it's incredible because like again i can't really detach like the song from any of those credit sequences in particular the last one but i think it's amazing how like even though i've said before like i'm not like the biggest fan of the versions that strip out the vocals you've managed to two of you have managed to pick versions of that the, the songs that I love without vocals that match the intensity and the emotion of them so I think that's really special. Yeah, I, I do want to interject really quick the, your comment about waking up in the morning I don't think that's reductive at all I think that's relatable I think I think that was a good way of, of putting <laughs> that and like boiling it down to like the essential of that emotion so I'm, I'm just giving you some credit on that one <laughs> I will take the credit <laughs> I just want to add real quick I was really glad that more than one person mentioned the brass <laughs> we a lot of people are really good at arranging for woodwinds and strings um, there's so much fun and good things that one can do with it I, as someone who's dabbled in music composition and arrangement, I find brass to be incredibly difficult to do effectively. And I have heard video game orchestral albums where brass can ruin an arrangement. And this was, uh, I mean, I'm not surprised given the caliber of the people we're talking about, but to effectively use brass in a song like this, especially to sort of counterbalance the lack of vocals and to sort of really boost the strength of the chorus especially like the second run of the chorus if i remember yeah 
To say it's effective is probably an understatement on my part. You guys really nailed it with that. I think that's probably one of the big things about this arrangement is effective use of brass. I mean, we could talk about the the playing back and forth between, you know, flute and oboe and strings and all that, but for me, it's it's the fact that the brass is there and it <laughs> doesn't suck. It, not, no, not just doesn't suck. It doesn't. It doesn't like pull away. It doesn't like vacuum suck the goodness of mm. the song. It like right. really works for I it. I think I, I might be wrong about this because I don't. I don't have a, a particular song, and um, and like I'm not here to like insult anyone's like arrangements or anything. But the um, there's some arrangements on the Final Fantasy X and X2 remaster soundtrack, and I I think some of them some of them are brass, but there are some arrangements on that song that are good where it's like okay this i recognize this song like this is a nice like touch up and then somewhere there's just like extra stuff like thrown in there like a brass something or something going on in the background that like really um it, it takes me out of it and I, I don't like some of those arrangements because of that so i i i know what you're talking about exactly yeah it can be abrasive and overbearing like any like anything could be really but yeah there is something about brass that is really difficult to use in a like delicate way yeah you have to be careful you have to be really careful and i feel like mm -hmm. they did a great job with it yeah i absolutely agree i think they did a brilliant job yeah, of it for sure well that was an episode so first of all thank you everyone for for listening thank all of you for being thank on you. here um i've been I don't know when we originally made the card for this episode. Or Oh, I remember the moment. You remember the moment? I mean, I know I could look it up right now, but this card has been floating around for a while. We've been planning this topic for a very long time. Like, I think even before we officially brought the show back last fall. It's like, we're going to do this at some point. Uh, I'm really glad we got to sit down and do it. And especially with with you three and like obviously no disrespect to anyone else on the staff but if i was going to pick two or three people at rpg fan who like really really know and love near and its music and we're just intensely passionate about it like you are the three that i would want on here so this was wonderful it's the highest compliment you've ever given me thank you <laughs> yeah thank you so much yeah that that means a great deal well actually. i mean it you know Zach and Alana, like you guys, like have really helped, like finally get me to play these games and introduce me to things and helped, you know, give me context about stuff. And you know, as, as we said at the top of the show, Pat, like you've been you've been pushing this, the games and the music for for years. Like I don't even know how many of these albums that you've uh, reviewed and talked about. And A lot, <laughs> probably about seventy percent so of much. what's been so, published. So again, yeah. like absolutely the best panel I could have asked for for this one. So. What are we doing next? Um, again, I haven't I haven't done this outro in like months now, so let me look. Um, we shifted our order a little bit. I know in the ep a few episodes ago we said what was coming up, and then we kind of surprised everyone by throwing in an Ace Attorney episode. But I'm very happy we did that. So objection, yes. there's a turnabout. So besides that, um, I I don't think after this one we're throwing else. Uh, throwing something else in unexpected. So the plan is coming up after this episode 68 will be another long awaited topic um, where we're doing an episode finally about Final Fantasy 14, where I think I think my panel on the episode is probably a little mad at me because of our, you know, the way we do songs now. Everyone's limited to two songs and having to pick two songs <laughs> yes. out of... It only took me a month to decide yes. on mine. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. like 500 songs. I mean, we'll do more episodes down the road. I'm sure we'll have to do one that's, you know, specifically Endwalker-based later in the year. But, uh, yeah. So for now, it's mm -hmm. it's Final Fantasy XIV in general. So it's 
any of the songs expansions were fair game. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, we did a we had an internal poll uh, for the first time in a while about what we were doing after that. So the, a few episodes following 14 um, are the results of that poll. So um, after Final Fantasy 14, we're going to have an episode all about piano arrangements or just piano songs. Um, which is another been one that's been floating around for a while. And how much insight do we want to give people? Do we do one more? Go on. I say one, one more. more. Okay, one more. So after the then after the piano episode, now we're into like late October. Uh, we're doing an episode that a lot of people seem excited about. Um, I didn't know this many people were interested in it, but we're doing an episode about uh, title screen or main menu music. Yeah, how have we never done that before? I don't that's know. what I'm most I mean, surprised about. A couple years ago too. Um, Was it Materia Collective yeah. did that menu album? I'm they sure did. at least yeah. one thing yeah. from that will be on there. A whole album for title screen songs. It's a good album. It is. It's really good. Um, so yeah, so that's that's where, uh, what we're planning next. And again, I know we had a unexpected break earlier this year, but we have some really solid plans now. So I'm not foreseeing any other issues like that. So you can look forward to episodes every two weeks now um, i'm gonna give a shout out here even though it's in all our show notes but jonathan logan uh you've been editing most of the shows since we kind of like uh got back on track here and as far as i know editing the next several after this so i'm gonna give Jono a shout out for doing all that and one of the biggest reasons we are able to keep on track is getting these things you know properly edited and put together and so we can post on time so thank you um so let's see if you have ideas of your own uh, topic ideas, or you want to share feedback with us, uh, you can email the show at music at rpgfan.com. Um, of course, if you also follow the go on rpgfan.com, we have a post for the episode. You can also leave us comments on the post. Um, we're also on Facebook, um, all the social media platforms. You can also let us know there what you think. Um, most likely you're listening to, in a podcast app. Um, or you're listening on our website. But either way, wherever you're listening, we do have a, a full track list um, on every episode. We always list a track list of what songs are on with timestamps. We have links to where you can buy albums, assuming the albums are still in print and purchasable, um, where you can buy, where you can stream, um, and any other related links are also in our show notes, both on the site and in your podcast app. So check those out. Make sure also, like, I think a lot of people that are listening to this probably know our other shows, but if you don't, um, RPG Fan also has three other podcasts. We have Random Encounter, which is our general RPG podcast. We talk about, you know, current news, reviews, uh, what people are playing. So check that out. Um, that comes out every two weeks, like our show. Um, Retro Encounter is, I'm never going to be able to get the explanation for Retro Encounter down because some of it is, you know, game journals every month and then just other really interesting topics in between i think the way that he describes it is whatever we want to talk right about. which is i guess i should just say that <laughs> like it's mostly retro though like it's in some form of retro whether that's two years old or 20 years old so retro encounter is consistently every week so definitely also listen to them and then finally we have phoenix edge which isn't really an rpg fan podcast but we do partner with them and, you know, they share links, we share links to each other. So they are a, a uh, an RPG fan media partner. So they also keep up on current news and discussions um, every couple of weeks or so. So be sure to listen to them as well. And then lastly, wherever you're listening, if you want to, if you enjoy the show, like we would appreciate if you can review us, subscribe, whatever the terminology is now that Apple changed it, um, subscribe, listen, follow. All of those things. Uh, we appreciate your feedback, reviews. Smash the notification. Smash button. the bell. 
Yes. <laughs> Smash that like button. Whatever buttons that are on whatever platform you're on that will support us or help, you know, get our stuff in your inbox or your feed or whatever, just hit it, smash it. Yeah. Um, how can people get in touch with each of you, starting with Pat? Yeah, best way is Twitter. You can find it on my RPG fan bio. It's at Gameadactyl. It's like a pterodactyl who plays video games. G-A-M-E-O, Dactyl. And if you don't know how to spell Dactyl, I don't want you you're, to follow you're me. You're just going to keep doing, sticking with that. I got gotcha. you. All right. <laughs> All right, and Alana. I mean, my name's kind of difficult to spell as well, but like, if you want to find me, the best place is Twitter. I am at Alana Hagues on there. I'm also on the RPG Fan Discord as Alana, so please come and talk to me about Nier or Final Fantasy fourteen or anything you want. All right, and Zach. Uh, the best way to reach me is probably email ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on Discord at ZachW. Great. Oh, and then me... Well, I'm on all of those things, but I'm not always checking them. So the best way for me is also email. Um, so that is mike at rpgfin.com. And again, if you have just feedback about the show in general, you can also email music at rpgfin.com. So, all right, we're just about done. I think that's all the housekeeping stuff at the end, right? I'm not, not forgetting anything. Okay. I think so. So as is tradition, someone here today has a bonus track. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes uh, we let each other know what this is before the end, but I have no idea what our bonus track is today. So <laughs> I think you might once I tell you what it is, because you actually talked about this track earlier in the yeah, episode. We talked about so many. <laughs> You're very specific. Yeah. All right. What do we got? So I am shamelessly going to make everyone listen to <laughs> Kine again. But this time... I'm going to make them listen to the Kine Final Fantasy main theme oh. remix that plays during Final Fantasy XIV's most recent Alliance raid. Perfect. I was actually planning on putting this in the show notes anyway, but, you know, if it's here, that's even I better. Know. What a good segue yeah. to the next episode as well. Yeah. The, the violin they use there for Final Fantasy main theme is... Oh. Uh, I came to the chef's kiss emoji on the yeah. podcast, but I would. Um <laughs> It, it is. Oh, it you, you get, uh, how? Yeah, it, it, it definitely slaps. The idea, like, it's funny because, like, when this raid first came out, like, it came out, like, I don't know, like, 3 a.m. my time. And then, like, a lot of, like, I had said, like, a couple days before, like, oh my gosh, they use Kine. I'm going to, like, I'm going to lose it. And a lot of texts me and she's like, hey, we know what the new music is and you're going to lose it. <laughs> it's like, what is it? She's like, it's Kine. And then, like, my students were like, what are you doing right now, Mr. Wilkerson? And the answer was, <laughs> I was losing it. Um, <laughs> Because this song slaps. Yeah. It slaps like a total banger. Yes. I did. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. I'm bopping to it right now. You are now officially a member of Gen Z. Congratulations. Actually, no, not congratulations. I'm no. lying. That's that's what it took. It it took it took blending Kine with Final Fantasy. Uh, yeah, well, blending it with the main theme is crazy. What a great idea. Yeah. It's fantastic. You know, it, you know I've had a few people talking to me, like some of my friends, about the, the near raids because they haven't done all the near raids in 14 yet. And they're like, well, you know, I did the first one. And I'm like, the first raid is it's good. I like it and I enjoy it. But like they get progressively so much better in the other two. And what they do with Agreed. the final boss music and all, all of them, actually, but especially. Let's not forget yeah, those Drakengard bells. It's just one of those things where like, Oh my god, just the blending of iconic Final Fantasy fourteen and in this case just Final Fantasy themes with near music. I, I can't. I have to go play like right now. I almost did the final boss theme from the first lines raid, but 
And that would have been maybe more appropriate, but I don't care. This is my yeah. favorite song in 14. Yeah. Full stop. Good choice. So, <laughs> All right. Here we are. Um, I, I know it has a name. I don't, I should have had the track list up in front of me. Um, is the, if there's a, a track list yet for the album coming out in September, which I'm not sure if there is officially yet, but so I don't know what we're calling it. I think right now we're just calling it Kainé's theme with Final Fantasy, right? I'm, I'm really not, I don't know anything beyond that at this point. All right. So let's go listen to that. Uh, again, thank all of you for being here. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Very cool. Bye. Bye.
Not good at any singing, so don't worry. No? No, of course not. Nor am I. Why are you surprised? I don't know. My mom was a musical theater major and I inherited none of her talent. Yeah, I've got none of my family's musical talents either. Then that means when you guys come and visit, we're definitely doing karaoke somewhere. No! Because I don't have any either. I need at least four gins for that, sir. Like That's easy, that's easy enough to provide. You will have four gins. <laughs>